being in position and then being uh, released with that faith and that anointing this morning. Can I first of all say, um, we have had an amazing start to the year in terms of our church. We have already got feedback and testimonials that people are just expectant. They've been hearing from God. We've had people say to us, you know, usually it's not until the second week of February that I really start get going and get motivated into my year. We've had feedback that people, even from the first week of January, that there's just such an expectation, just a freshness and a new newness to do with our church and where we're going and what we're doing um, as, a, as a united people, as a community. And I just wanted to say, um, on behalf of Sarah and I, we're just really proud proud of our church family. We, we just love the fact that you guys are hungry. Uh, we love the fact that you're wanting to grow. We love the fact that you're taking on board different parts of the word that's being released. You're encouraging each other. You're praying for each other. And uh, we know that as we continue with this momentum, that there's going to be a mighty great work that the Lord's going to do and that we're going to see it and we're going to enjoy it. Amen. So uh, be excited and continue to be excited. All right. Uh, when it comes to this theme of Ready, Set, Go, the, the end of this message, we're going to do an activation of faith and anointing on five key uh, life themes. But I wanted to start this morning by talking about an analogy of you know, the engine of a car or even a wheel, the wheel alignment of a car. So just as the wheels on your car need realignment or alignment sometimes, so time, sometimes we do as well spiritually. So we need to, at times, have a fine-tune, and we need our faith to be activated in a fresh way. And we need, you know, sometimes during church, we'll do a couple of these types of services a year where we'll, we'll pray for a fresh release of the anointing. Um, but... <clears throat> Some tips in terms of uh, aligning your life or bringing realigning to your life is it's important to take time to realign your life. It's important to focus on that at times. And rather than just keeping going, imagine if you're in a car and you know the wheels are getting a bit wobbly. Or uh, you know the other day, I wasn't focusing properly. I was just trying to get home. And again, I didn't realize that the, the fuel gauge was so low. And uh, this hill that quite steep just before we get to our house, I'm like going up that hill and it's just like, you know, and it, and it ran out of fuel. This is the second time I've done it, like, in 12 months. And so I had to park the car on the hill, and we had to get RA secure. And, and I, if you look at it, I just wasn't watching the fuel gauge. I was too focused on just getting to where I was wanting to go. And I wasn't monitoring exactly what level of fuel I had in the vehicle that I was driving. Sometimes, spiritually, the same is true. Sometimes we can just focus on, okay, these are my goals, these are my dreams, this is what I think God wants me to do, and I'm going to go for it. But we don't necessarily monitor the level of anointing on our life. We don't necessarily monitor the level of faith we're actually working with. And so it's important sometimes to stop, refuel, and actually reactivate our faith. And that's why we've been seeking the Lord this week, you know, uh, seeking His Word, seeking His presence to reactivate faith. And so it's important to take time to realign. Uh, and also to focus on the fundamentals. That's why this week, focusing on prayer, focusing on reading the Word, focusing on coming to a prayer meeting, whatever it is, and really realigning. <clears throat> also, what's important about realigning is it takes off the limitations from your mind. It starts to take, you know, as, as, we, as we go through a year, 2015, and we face disappointment, we face frustration, sometimes those realities of difficult circumstances can start to create a little bit of a limit on your thinking. You no longer start to 
expect or to dream big. You start to think, oh, yeah, well, I was believing that at the beginning of the year, but, you know, this has happened. So, you know, I, I might just start to think at this level. So it's important, again, this week as we seek, it's like God, the Holy Spirit kind of uh, sweeps away the cobwebs and takes off the limits. Um, he dares us to dream big again. He, he gets us to get in that place of faith and vision. Um, and then the other key thing about realigning and, and activating faith in the anointing is it, it, it helps you to start implementing some of the things that God is now getting you to align to. It starts you to start to, uh, you know, get, get ready, set and go. So <clears throat> that's why we want to uh, talk about this this morning because it's critical. Next Sunday, we have Vision Sunday. And so Vision Sunday is all about uh, releasing specific projects in our focus for the year as a church. Um, I honestly believe it's going to be the most exciting Vision Sunday we've ever had um, because I probably personally have more clarity than I've ever had from the Lord about what he's wanting to do uh, for the year ahead for our church. So that's always exciting for me to have you know, more and more clarity. Not that I haven't had clarity before, but it's just like he's just enabled me to see very specifically about what he wants us to focus on. So we're going to have um, flyers for you next week printed, which on the back will have a summary of the key things that we're going to focus on because I want you to take that home and to continue to pray because this year we're believing more than ever that as a church we're going to take all of us are going to take ownership of the vision of the house. Amen. Um, I just wanted to um, give a note to our host team or our service team. Potentially there may be, and don't have everyone turn around, there may be some people at the back that may need some assistance in seating or something like that. I can see a large group of people at the back there that are standing there might need some assistance or some assistance with something. So if we could have our team helping them out, that'd be great. Thanks everyone. Awesome. So first of all, I want to start with why today is so important. Um, and what, what I'm talking about is not just today, but why is, why is it critical that we, we start actually with a focus of ready, set, go? That we don't go, great, I've got great vision, and now I'll just go home and watch the tennis for the week. And, you know, I might start uh, working out and going back to the gym, you know, at the end of February. And, or I might, oh, what, you know, I might actually start things after the Easter break. It's important to actually get momentum now. So why today is so important? In Proverbs chapter 14, verse 1, we read of the wise woman who works hard to build a strong, prosperous, nurturing household. Our life is a house that only we can build. Are you building strength into yours or are you letting a few bad habits tear it down? Now, let's look at Proverbs 13 verse 12. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. So hope speaks of dreams, but it's also interesting to note that the word deferred here speaks of a prolonged time of withholding. Like an arrow being held back at the point of greatest tension in the bow, delaying its release. And so have you ever felt like this when it comes to uh, having an idea of fresh vision or goals, but there's a withholding or there's a, a hesitation to step out and to actually launch and to start some things? And that could, be, that could apply to any particular area of your life, but the law wants us to start to position ourselves and to start to step out, to get things in motion, to get things activated. I was challenging some people in our prayer meeting this morning. We had another pre-service prayer meeting. And... Um, 
I challenged some of the people before we started that the people who in the room who usually step out and proactively pray, I said, I want those people to hold back. And I want to encourage the people who usually hang back in a prayer meeting to actually be the ones to step out and proactively lead us in prayer. Now, why did I do that? Because I felt like the Lord wanted to give everyone in that room an opportunity, particularly the ones that don't naturally step out and start something, to actually feel what it's like and for them to realize they can do that. They can step out, even if they don't have the largest personalities in the room. And so it's important that we, uh, we don't just kind of stay at the edge going, yes, I've got these dreams and goals for the year, but we've got to step out. We've got to, uh, you know, get ready, get set, and we've got to go. Can everyone say go? I hear the Lord saying this to you. There's going to be some changes that the Lord will ask you to make quickly. Quickly. I hear the Lord saying that for, for a lot of us, there are some changes uh, that he, he needs us to not wait until June this year to make, that he actually needs us to make them quickly, that we need to actually make the changes in some of our choices, some of the things that we're focusing on. Uh, the Lord is asking us to make some changes quickly so that we can build momentum quickly. And that's not an easy thing to do. It's a lot easier to preach about it. I know that for sure. Um, but it's important that you understand that sometimes it's not just about what God is telling you to do in 2016, but it's also about what God is asking you to stop doing in 2016. That's a key to ready, set, go. I know for this year, I've had one of the best starts of the year because at the end of 2015, God spoke to me so clearly. He said, Brad, you need to stop doing this. And you need to stop doing this and you need to start doing this. Now, sometimes we see that as like, you know, God being a little bit of a dictator. But actually, first God said, I love you so much that I really don't want to bear seeing you disappointed in 2016. So I need to let you tell, I need to tell you something. This is how he prepped me for it. So I kind of lent in. Oh, he loves me so much. What have you got to say, Lord? And he said, now stop doing this and stop doing this and start doing this. The Lord said, though, the starting will only really happen and will happen continuously if you actually stop these things first. If you try and start this thing and you don't stop this thing, thing first, it'll start for a little while, but it'll stop. And so I hear the Lord actually wanting to release that as a strategy for you to pray about as you position yourself to launch into everything that God has for you, that it's also about asking the Lord, what does he want me to stop? Because sometimes there are things that we're doing that actually stop momentum in our life, in our world. Can I get everyone to say amen to that? And so we have to step out. We can't be held back for too long like an arrow he wants us to launch. Because when you hold the arrow back too long, we call that the dream trap. It traps you into this place if you've got these great goals, and that's going to motivate you and have you excited and expectant for a while. But if you don't start launching into those things, stepping out by faith, and understanding that by faith and by the anointing, nothing is impossible. Stepping out and activating things to start to build the momentum is critical. And so <clears throat> the dream trap happens when we say things like, and I may have referred to this last Sunday as well, but we say things like, when I lose weight, I'll start going to the gym. <laughs> have you ever said that? I know I've said that to myself. I've said that to Sarah. I've said, yeah, I'll, what I'll do is I'll start losing a little bit of weight and then I'll go to the gym. We're knowing that going to the gym is just one of the catalysts to start losing some weight. All right? Or you've said, when I get my life sorted out, I'll go back to church. Ever heard anyone say that before? You know, the false mindset that I have to have my life kind of a little bit more perfect in order to be right to go back to church because that's the... No, God says, come as you are. 
In fact, usually people getting coming back to church is the starting point of how their life starts to get more order in it. Um, have you ever, ever heard anyone say this? When I've got better study habits, I'll go, I'll go to uni. Um, anyone said this? I'll start tithing once I have more money. All right, these are the types of mindsets that we can have that's like the arrow being held back and we call it the dream trap. And so God wants us to not be having that deferred hope. He wants us to be people who step out proactively. And sometimes that's going to be uncomfortable, but it's important because it's it's the key. So what about today? We can long for the big moments and great achievements, but still be reluctant to embrace the small steps we need to make to get there. What are the small steps that God is saying, okay, we need to make this step, we need to start doing this, we need to start and breaking it down into those key steps. For me, I had to stop eating carbs for a good season, okay? Um, Carbs and me generally are really best friends. We're very, very close. We hang out a lot. Um, I like pizza, I like pasta. Last night, Sarah had a pasta with seafood and I just had seafood in a broth, and I'm looking at Sarah's pasta going. <laughs> the broth was me drooling. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, and then, um, you know, she tried to be kind. She said, honey, would you like a little bit? I said, no. No, I don't. I can do this. <laughs> so it's important about today. So... When I started 2016, I knew that if I just went, you know, I'll wait till February. I'll wait till the word of, the, of 2016, the word of the Lord 2016. And once that's preached, the anointing will hit me so strong that then I'll start to be ready to, to go back to the gym and lose weight. Or I'll start to be ready to do this new initiative in my life. Or I'll start to be ready to, to pray more for my family and my children. No, the Lord said, no, you actually need to start preparing your mind now before the end of 2016. So when you get into that season, you start doing those small steps. This is a principle that everyone, you would have heard of this before. This isn't rocket science, but I want to say to this today, making that decision today, not getting into the, oh, what if I'll wait for the, oh, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll wait to, oh, yeah, oh. no, today, break it down. And you've got to find, again, I've said this the last couple of weeks, being this whole theme of January, starting the, is you've got to find the why. And so if your dream doesn't change your today, it's just a fantasy. Let me say that again. If your dream, if your goals, if what God is calling you to pursue this year, your assignments, what He's asking you to do, not only pursuing Him, but then the things He's asking you to focus on, they're dreams. And we break those down into goals. But if the dream doesn't change your today... As in, if the dream doesn't give you enough of a desire and a hunger to start actually saying, you know what, I need to start making some changes today. What am I going to do today that's going to actually invest into the outcome that God's asked me to pursue? What is it today that I can do that can help me to get closer to the fulfillment of that assignment? Then it's just a fantasy. And so again, what are we talking about here? What of your favorite themes, my favorite themes? What's that theme? Discipline. Who loves discipline? If it was a drink, wouldn't you just drink it every day? Mmm, refreshing. A nice cold glass of discipline. My favorite drink to drink. No, we'd avoid it, right? Like, eh, I don't like that stuff. It tastes gross. I can hardly swallow it. In fact, I can hardly keep it down. Discipline is not fun. Okay? So your, your, the hunger and desire that you have that God gives you for what He's asking you to do has to be strong enough. 
Zechariah 4.10, Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Everyone say begin. He rejoices, the word says. He rejoices. He takes joy in seeing the work begin. So watch this. The beginning of the year, prophetically, yes, is about getting the download, being refreshed, faith, being realigned, anointing, hanging out with God, seeking Him, uh, breaking off disappointment from the, getting the blueprints, downloading the things that God will want us. But that's the first thing. Then He takes joy. He takes joy in actually seeing us starting to begin the work about the plans that he's given us. In Job 8, 7, and, th- and though your beginning was small, your latter days will be very great. What small steps can you take today and every day to help make your dreams and your natural aspirations as God's giving you start to become reality? Again, this is nothing new. And uh, if you're sitting here going, oh, you know, this is what most people talk about when they talk about goals. Well, the reality is most people on the internet that talk about goals don't actually give glory to God because all this stuff is from the Bible. Amen? Right? Can I get everyone to say amen to that? Sometimes, you know, I see Christians get weird with this. They go, oh, someone is talking about how to be really good at, um, you know, being successful in building your life or, you know, uh, or, or how to, to pursue goals. Oh, but they're not a Christian. And they're not a pastor, so I shouldn't really listen to those principles on that teaching. Well, the reality is, even if they're not a pastor or if they've had success with their teaching on that, all those principles are coming from the Bible. I say this quite often, that a lot of times uh, what's sad is, is that there are people in the world that don't know Jesus, who actually follow the principles the Bible teaches of, that promises in their life manifests, but they don't give any glory to God because they don't know who Jesus is. And a lot of Christians who come and worship Jesus every day on a Sunday, they don't put the principles of God in place and always have deferred hope in their life to the fact within the latter ages of their life, and they're frustrated with their life because they worship God, but they actually haven't walked out his principles and wonder why they're constantly swimming in this land called deferred hope. Can everyone say, ouch? So please don't get religious. Please don't get religious when it comes to, oh yeah, but that person's not a Christian, so I'm not going to, I'm not going to at all look at anything to do with, you know, goal. I mean, there are some clear principles in the Bible around dreams, goals, vision, breaking, you know, in Habakkuk 2, write it down so that you can make it clear. Write down the vision so you can make it clear so you can run with the vision. How clear is that? Write it down so you make the vision clear so you can run with the vision. Let me say it again. Write it down so you can make it clear so you can run with the vision. Write it down. Write down the vision, write down the goals, write down what you are assigned to do in 2016 for your family, for your life, for work, for fitness, for all the areas, for your pursuit of of God, for your spiritual growth. Write down clearly what those things are that the Lord has given you. The instruction, write those things down so that you can see it clearly, so that it's as clear as a bell. So that you can keep reviewing it, you can keep looking at it, so that you can run with it. So that you can continue to focus on it, run through it, put, put steps in place to actually continue to pursue that thing. Eventually it will manifest. This is a direct principle from the Bible. And yet some of us, because the world is filled now with so much teaching on goals and dreams, we have a religious mindset where at times we just pursue a spiritual encounter with God and we pursue um, the, the goosebumps of God and we go to all these conferences, which is great, and we get all pumped up and we download all these instructions from heaven, but yet we don't do this critical next step, which is what? 
to launch out, to get going, to do the little steps, to be disciplined, to write it down, keep reviewing it and keep walking it out so it manifests. Everyone repeat after me. I am not just a dreamer, but I am called to be a doer. Say this, I'm a doer. Jesus has made me to be a doer. I'm going to step out. All right. Now, in terms of faith and anointing, I want to talk about these particular areas. We're going to talk about these areas and we're going to pray at the end, release faith. I'm going to ask Prophets Greg and Julie to help me as we really pray for release of faith and anointing. Now, first of all, when we pray for an activation of faith and anointing, it's not a little mystical thing. It's not a mystery. All it is, is by faith you receive that activation and you say, God, I know that you're strengthening my faith and you're releasing a fresh anointing for me to pursue these assignments and to get things done in my life. But the first life key assignment I want to talk about um, <clears throat> in talking about our focus for this year is our marketplace, our work focus, our finances, provision. So I'll put this under the category of work, finances, and provision from the marketplace. Again, I've actually on purpose put this first for a reason. I put it first because I want people to understand that Yes, we pursue God and everything else, but work and what we do, uh, you know, most of the time we're actually working and sleeping, okay? Uh, so work is very important to the Lord. Again, sometimes we can get religious and go, well, you know, family is definitely more important than work. That's, that's, you know, that's a given. Our love for the Lord and our love for our family is more important than work. But sometimes, again, we don't put enough emphasis on how much God values how we apply ourselves when it comes to working. And so I've put this first for a reason. I believe the Lord just wants to give a little bit of teaching on work ethic. Um, I hear the Lord saying it's important for us to work for progress and not for distraction. Sometimes I see uh, Australian culture, we work Monday to Friday so we can make enough money to kind of spend it on the weekend to escape, right? There's a massive drinking culture in Australia. You know, a lot of people spend hundreds of dollars on a weekend getting smashed, right, in Australia, okay? Not that we're judging those people, but it's important that alcohol doesn't become your escape, all right? It's a big part of the nation's culture. As a church, we... You know, we say it's okay for people to drink. We're not against people drinking alcohol. But the thing is, though, as a church, we really strongly encourage people to make sure that that thing does not have a stronghold over you. And usually, if it has a stronghold over you in a season, God will ask you to lay it down completely so that you get dominion of it. And sometimes he'll ask you not to pick it up again. Sometimes he may say that's okay. That's between you and the Lord. But it's important that when it comes to our culture, sometimes in our culture in Australia, it's like we'll work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we clock in, we clock out, and then we've got the weekend. I know because before I knew Jesus, I used to work extra hours to make more money so I could buy drugs so I could party on the weekend. The weekend, it was like, and I was at mid, midway through the week, and I'd be like, oh, can't wait to Friday night, can't wait to Friday night to put that little party pill in my mouth so I can really have a great weekend. Oh, I can't wait. I'm just going to do another uh, two and a half days and then I have my escape. So I was literally working for my distraction. But God would say that he wants you to rest on the weekend 
He wants you to have a good time on the weekend, to enjoy your family time, to have good quality time, to recuperate, to spend time with Him, to recharge the batteries, not just to go and escape, but to actually use your weekend, use your rest time as a strategic time to refill and replenish. So when you go and put your hands to what you're working, you're working strong, you're working with faith, you're working with focus, because the Lord wants to bless your hands. Whatever you put your hand to, the Lord says He wants to bless, but work ethic is a part of that. So I want to talk a little bit about laziness, okay? You might think, oh, that's a bit negative. But actually, it's a positive thing to talk about laziness because the Lord is asking us to be diligent people. Um, I'm a big believer that sometimes when you pray, miracles can happen. I'm a big believer that you can, if your family desperately needs a new car, you can pray and miracles can happen. They can be godly supply from nowhere. But can I say this, that God has not designed you and I to completely rely every time on a miracle breakthrough like that. Come on, the Lord is a practical God, not just a supernatural God. He's given you a sharp mind. He's given you gifts. He's given you talents to work hard so you bring provision in for your family and to be diligent and save up and to be faithful and a good steward of your money so then you can actually have a breakthrough and you can purchase a car. Can I tell that if you're a man or God or woman God here today, the, the, the way in which God wants to provide you with financial breakthrough is not just through a miracle from prayer. Come on. Sometimes he's going to give you a practical strategy where it's going to require hard work, discipline, and focus. And even after you get through the breakthrough, the Lord will look back at you and say, now look at you. You're a person of greater capacity and greater capability because I didn't just drop something from heaven, but I actually gave you a strategy and you had to walk through it. You had to stand up. You had to rise up. You had to discipline yourself and the breakthrough has come. Now go forth and build your life on those principles year after year. See, again, a religious mindset where we hug the supernatural and we go, wow, this is the way I'm going to get my new car. Don't, don't get me wrong. I, I'm saying that's okay at times when we're desperate and we're believing. But sometimes the Lord will, will challenge you and say, hey, I want to give you a strategy. Laziness is one of the most prevalent attitudes in our society. Laziness brings poverty and scarcity. And Proverbs 6, 6 to 11 says, go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? Laziness, the Bible teaches, brings disgrace. Proverbs 10, 4-5 says, Lazy hands make a man poor, but diligent hands bring wealth. He who gathers crops in summer is a wise son, but he who sleeps during harvest is a disgraceful son. Pretty strong correction there from the word. It also says lazy men irritate those whom they work for. Proverbs 10.26 says, As vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is a sluggard to those who send him. Interesting. Laziness builds poor habits. Proverbs 12, 27 says, The lazy man does not roast his game, but the diligent man prizes his possessions. Laziness ends up in unfulfilled desires. Proverbs 13, 4 says, The sluggard craves and gets nothing, but the desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. What is Scripture saying? When we allow an attitude of laziness to in, in infiltrate our heart, we really usually have nothing we really want. But people who have become diligent and take on 
the, the calling of the Lord to work hard, to have a good work ethic, to have a plan, to have a strategy, and to defer things uh, that would be a distraction and to keep pursuing things, the, the Word of God says that person will be rewarded. And so what I want to do is I want to encourage you that God wants to provide provision he wants to help people to, to grow and to build their life and work. I really believe that God is wanting to release promotion in our lives. I know that God wants to establish families in a stronger financial position. Can I say this to you? Go after it. Can I say this for you? Believe for it. But can I say that your faith without works will be dead? Come on now. Your faith without works, meaning that you have to not just believe God, but your faith really will be about, God, give me the strategy, and then with God and the anointing, you will walk out the strategy. Can I just, first of all, I just want to honor a couple here, who's a great example of this right now. I don't even know if they're here. Let's say, Cornelia and Salada. These guys, I hope they're okay with me saying this, but I just want to honor them here, because the last couple of seasons, they have really stepped out on this exact thing. Okay, not that they've ever been lazy. They've always been hard working. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about that God gave them some key strategies and blueprints. But they knew it wasn't just about prayer and faith, that they actually had to step out. They had to do the hard work. They had to get a strategy. They had to break it down. They've um, asked other mentors to come into their life. They've humbled themselves. They've had other people to speak into their world. They've broken down a plan. And can I tell you, they're continuing to build things, but they're already starting to see amazing breakthroughs. And it's not something that just popped out of heaven. Of course, God's on it. But God is rewarding those people who are diligent. Let's just give them a round of applause. Just honor them here. And I know they're probably embarrassed because they're not you know, people who would want that, but it's important to, to know that God is raising up examples even for us to look at and say, hey, if they can do it with God, then I can do it. I want to encourage you that God wants to anoint you uh, for work. He wants to anoint you um, and help you with your finances. He wants you to be a person of dominion. He wants to, you know, he, he's taken me out of, uh, out of a whole filing cabinet a place of filing kind of just bills and bills and debt and debt to a place now of being able to actually build a future with our family. So I want to encourage you, the same is true for you, but it's by faith, but it's not by faith without works. You've got to get a strategy. And that's why the anointing, the anointing is the enabling power of God to get things done. Everyone say that. The enabling power of God to get things done. And so faith with the anointing, continue to step out. So we're going to pray for work. The second one um, we're going to pray for is family and relationships. And I want to talk a little bit um, about this in Philippians 2, uh, verse 25 to 30. I want to read out a few of these verses. Philippians 2, 25 to 30. It It talks about the importance that relationships are partnerships. So we're talking about your marriage. We're talking about your children. We're talking about your extended family. We're talking about the friendships that you pursue. That God actually wants you to build and invest in relationships. He, he wants you to have mentors. He wants you to be a mentor to people. He wants you to have good, healthy partnerships and relationships with other people because that's a big part of what God uh, does and how, what He works through to bless your life. In Philippians 2, 25 to 30, it says this, Yet I considered it necessary to send to you, Aphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need. 
At a time when Paul was imprisoned, unwell and unsure of his own future survival, he chose this man to deliver his letter to the Philippians because of the strong relationship they had built over time. So in that scripture there, 25 to 30, in the first part, he mentions that this particular person who is chosen to actually go and deliver a letter to the Philippians church, the people of Philippia, um, because of the strong relationship that he'd built He was able to trust this person to partner with him to get something done for the kingdom. And he uses these three particular things to describe the type of relationship. He says, my brother, he says, my fellow worker and my fellow soldier, my brother, my fellow worker and my soldier. So we have a model here for success of relationships in many areas. And now this includes family, friendships, even in your career, when you're partnering with people, uh, church involvement and ministry as well. But here we see a relationship that goes far deeper than just the surface level. There's layers that are built into this relationship of commitment, and it's it's over time. A brother speaks of a family bond, denoting closeness and common attributes, commitment, mutual protection, strength, a common lineage and heritage. The Lord is wanting to flavor a lot of our relationships with a brotherhood, with a sisterhood, with a family anointing, whether it comes to your actual family or your spiritual family, even people that you're working with in projects. Uh, Because he knows that if he can start to help you to, to focus on developing relationships, and it takes time and it takes investment. But let me challenge you this morning. If there's something about a relationship that you're disappointed with, first analyze, well, what investment have you been making into that relationship? We know sometimes it's important to have boundaries. We know sometimes that people in life can be more of a taker than a giver. Okay? Sometimes in seasons, the Holy Spirit may point out that you're more of a taker than a giver. And so you have to realign. But when it comes to families and relationships, it's important to know firsthand what are you wanting to build. Rather than just having a revelation of what you're wanting to reap out of someone, what are you wanting to invest? Are you being a brother? Are you being a sister? The second... uh, uh, term that that is used here is a fellow worker. Now this represents more than lip service. It speaks of action and productivity. Someone who will roll up their sleeves and help to get the job done. For example, with church, it denotes who gets involved in helping out rather than just talking about the needs that need to be done. Come on now. In the family, I talk about the house here, that the the house of God is not a hotel. The house of God is and we've, when we have first-time visitors, obviously first-time visitors are kind of checking out and getting a feel for the teaching and the word and the people. And is there a warmth here? Is there an anointing here? And that's cool. There'll be a discovery stage. But once we see people and, you know, they're feeling like they're connecting in and that they're coming more and more, we encourage people to understand you're actually going to get a whole lot more from your church family if you don't relate to it like a hotel, right? If you actually relate to it like a house. And that is, for example, if, if I'm going to a hotel, I get to dine in the restaurant, but I don't have to wash up the dishes. Amen. But if I'm going to my own home and I'm, and I'm going there and we're having a family dinner, well, I want to make sure that I'm contributing something to the atmosphere of the home and to the work of the home. Can I get everyone to say amen to that? And so this is a principle in our relationships in terms of being a fellow worker. In Matthew 9, 37 to 38, then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So in terms of relationships and your family this year, 
that assignment that God has you focusing on. I want to encourage you to look at those angles of that brotherly side too, being that close bond, uh, speaking and, and, and having more deeper conversations with people, getting to know people uh, at a deeper level. And this is particularly I'm talking about your family taking an interest in people's lives, encouraging each other, actually cheering each other on, a fellow worker, not making sure that just the way that you relate to people is just words of encouragement, sometimes helping them with things. The third thing is, everyone say soldier. A soldier is the fighter. There will be times in relationships when you will need to contend for them, not with the other party, but to keep the relationship moving forward. This applies to friendships, marriages, families, and a church. And so it's about understanding that sometimes in the heat of the battle, it can seem easier to bail out rather than persisting until problems have been overcome. Like soldiers, we need to pursue victory in our relationships. And so when you link all of those up, those three combine to create great layers and insight into what the law is wanting us to build into our family and also into uh, other, other types of relationships. I've always said this to a lot of my friends. I've always said, you know, what's really interesting is to watch what type of level people want to build when it comes to relationships in their family, but also in their church family. And I know for myself, I started to reap a lot more out of my family and I started to reap a lot more out of my church family when I first chose to, to work out, Lord, what do you want me to sow? What do you want me to do? How do? What kind of a person do you want me to be? What kind of a level of encouragement? What are the, the love languages you want me uh, to, 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 to sow in? What level of interest should I take in this particular area of this person's life? How should I approach them? How should I talk to them? Now, not, not that I'm perfect, but can I tell you, I've had so much reward out of just relationships with people because I've first been given a plan by God to sow in. Can I say that that is the same for your family? I know that marriages never really go anywhere if all you're doing is creating and reviewing that shopping list of all the things that you'd like to fix with your loved one. Who knows that if you keep reviewing that shopping list, they need to fix this and this, and I wish they'd change this, and I'm sick of this, and they keep doing this, and why do they say that all the time? It bugs me. And if you just keep reviewing it like it's like a constant Facebook post, who knows that that's never going to be the key to starting a breakthrough in your marriage or any type of relationship. It's got to start with what do you need to change first from yourself. The third area, life assignment, is health of mind and body. Unless we've set specific goals that we're intentionally working towards, it's hard to maintain discipline in this area. So I want to talk about a couple of things. First of all, um, this actually is um, a particular principle that um, Frank Damasio was teaching on once. In, I think it's from his book. But I just wanted to particularly mention Frank Damasio because I'm literally going to read this paragraph that he wrote. This is not my words. This is his. He says, to choose to walk with a clean spirit. I love this. When I read this, it, it just really is, it's, for me, it's, it's so key. So he says that the subtitle is choose to walk with a clean spirit. So we're talking about health of mind here first. There is no great, if catch this now, if there's anything I want you to listen to, I want you to listen to this bit. There is no greater feeling than having a clean spirit and solid integrity. There is no deceit. There's no hidden action that you hope will never be revealed. It's clean. The Bible promises blessing on the person whose sin is forgiven and who has no concealed 
or unresolved sin. So he's saying here, at times we sin, we make mistakes. But having that repentant heart and not trying to cover up, not trying to wear masks, that actually that one of the best things in life is to have a clean spirit, is to have a light. You know, we're not carrying the heaviness of hidden sin. And I think the health to our minds and our emotions is all about this year understanding that the Lord is more interested about how you handle sin, not so much about whether you sin or not. Of course, there are times when we make mistakes. The, the law wants us to grow in our ability to make the right choices and to, to be people of victory. But can I say this to you? How do you handle sin? I.e., when you make a mistake and you sin, do you do what Adam and Eve did when they felt naked and vulnerable because they made the wrong decision? They try and run away from the presence of the Lord. Or do you do what Jesus paid a price for that we can freely come to the Lord and say, you know, I made a mistake. Can you please clean me? I'm really sorry that I've done this. I need to repent and turn away from this. Can I say to you, brother, even if you've been a Christian for 20 years, or if you've been a Christian for two years, this thing should be something that we always keep as a top priority in every year that we start, is that if you can make a top priority to have a clean spirit, to have a clean heart, to have a light load, to not, if you make mistakes, if you start to, to get into the wrong things, if you start getting into some old habits, just run into the Lord's presence and say, God, free me from this thing. Forgive Give me right now, clean me up, turn me around because it's not fun carrying stuff that we're hiding in the dark back alley of our heart. It's just not fun. It's like a leak in the bucket just drains us of all of our joy and the joy of the Lord is our strength. It weakens your resolve. It weakens your ability to keep pursuing your dream when you've got stuff that's hidden. Romans 12.2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I hear the Lord saying that He is wanting continuously this year for us to focus on transforming our mind. He's wanting to sharpen our mind, to develop the mind of Christ. The Word of God and decreeing the Word of God and meditating on the Word of God is going to be a key to that, a healthy mind. But also body. Everyone say body. Body. Have you got a healthy body? Zara cacks herself when I do a fake little UK accent. And those people from Britain, I'm sorry if I just insulted you because it was a terrible, terrible mockery of your accent. I know you sound much better than that, but she cacks herself. And I go, Daddy's getting a healthy body, isn't he? She's like, oh. So healthy body. Everybody have a healthy body, all right. Okay, enough of that silliness. On to talking about health. First of all, kind of like the analogy of the miracle for the car and the practical strategy of working hard. Yes, well, I'm talking about, you know, you can, have a, you can believe for a miracle for healing, which is a cure, right? Now, at times we need healing. Things, go, things happen. Um, you know, for example, poor Barb. <laughs> Do you know the reason why she broke her foot? Because she was studying the Word. She's about to go and minister somewhere, I think in North Queensland soon. And she was studying the Word. She got so excited. She wanted to double-check another scripture. So she needed a concordance for another book. She got so excited about the revelation that she was getting that she got up too quickly from her desk and she tripped and she broke her ankle, right? So things happen. I mean, she literally was running to get a scripture to, to minister the word of the Lord. And that's why she, you know, she was so zealous for what God was giving her in the Bible that she tripped. And, and so sometimes stuff happens, right? 
And, uh, you know, things happen in our body and we didn't know it was going. We need to get operations or whatever or we're sick and we get the flu and we need healing. So healing is very, very important. But also there are preventative strategies that the, that the Lord would like to give us in wisdom to say, hey, it's not always just but wait to wait till you, you get sore and tired and sick and groaning and moaning and, and then you need to, to get healing. The good thing is we have a great healing team here head by Phil and Shell. They're doing an amazing job. Um, so we have a healing team here and we believe in healing and that's great. And we've seen many people get healed before. However, we need also a preventative and that is what are we doing so that we can actually limit the requirement for healing? And uh, can I just say this to you? It's only three weeks in my life right now that I feel comfortable preaching this because I'm actually doing it. I would feel like a hypocrite if I preached this three weeks ago. So thank you, Jesus. And I'm finally getting my act together. Thank you, Lord. All right. And I can, I can stand here without a condemnation in my heart and preach this. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. All right. So when it comes to living a healthy lifestyle, um, even young children usually know which foods are good and bad. Uh, Zara is obsessed with donuts right now. If we tell her we're going to the shopping center, donut, can I get a donut? The whole time, you're like, donut, donut, <laughs> donut. It's just like, oh, you have to distract her because you, and otherwise she's just going to grow up just constantly eating donuts. And uh, that's not cool. But uh, even young children, they know. She knows that a donut is a treat, right? We're doing potty training at the moment. We won't go into too much detail around that. But she gets a little treat after the, the potty training success. And so she knows that the reward is getting to eat treats that are sweet. And so we've got to make sure, she, she knows, she knows she can't have too many treats. But it's actually applying what we already know that's the biggest challenge. Most people here know that we should be exercising, right? This is the temple of the Holy Spirit, this body here. So we need to kind of, we need to look after it. Like, like, like a car, we've got to make sure we're, 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 we've got that mechanic attitude and we're looking after the car so it doesn't break down. <clears throat> so God created us and wants us to be healthy in spirit and soul and body. If you're sitting here like I was three weeks ago and going, oh, please shut up. Don't keep saying it. Can I say this is good? It's good for you. Um, I had, um, I, I think I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, I've had Greg's example in my face for years. I mean, he's just marathon man. And he, he's always encouraging. He's never horrible about, about it. Julie sometimes rubs it in a little bit, and, but that's good because she's been able to motivate me. Um, so they work together as a team as like, you know, Julie's kind of rubs in the the salt a little bit in the wound and Greg's just standing there going bites his tongue <laughs> and then Sarah she's like she's like um, she's like my kickboxer because she's been kicking me up the bottom for a long time now I have some bruises that are still healing amen and so finally I've been able to come around so if you're sitting here going oh please I don't want to hear this this is actually good for you to just keep being challenged until eventually uh, you'll start doing something about it. <clears throat> uh, so in, in, let's have a look at a couple of strip, scriptures here. In 3 John 2, 2. Uh, Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. So actually it's talking about the connection between our soul, which is our mind and our emotions. So our, the mind of Christ and our ability for our spirit and our mind to, to connect and partner with each other and agree with each other. But also it relates to the, the, that good health comes from also making sure that we are getting well physically. 1 Timothy 4.8, you've probably heard this scripture before. Physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. So it's, it, in that scripture, it's saying that 
godly uh, workouts, as in working out your faith and your spirit and all of that type of thing, is is the best. But physical has some value. Now, I've shared this with you personally. Uh, what's been a catalyst for me to do with physical health is the why factor. God's actually shown me in the future why I need to start getting a lot fitter than what I've been for the last couple of years. Uh, do, most of you heard the story about I had someone in, I think it was our first year of planning this church. We had someone that was a kind of like a, been to a, a couple of our events but never been to our church before after we'd started it and they walked in and they'd been sitting there during the message and they walked up to me after the message and they said I now know why the Holy Spirit told me to come to your church this morning they'd never been to my church I think I've spoken to them three times before we'd seen them at some of the CI Eagle Net events over the years and um so this lady came up to me she said now I know Pastor Brad why the Holy Spirit told me to come to your church and I said oh why she said because you put on so much weight and you need to lose weight. <laughs> because the Lord is going to, and then she came in and encouraged, because the Lord's still going to do a great work f- through you and you need to last the distance. <laughs> but, but you know what? I could feel in her heart. She actually was genuine. She, was, she just, I won't tell you what country she was from because that's the stereotype. But anyway, she was very direct, okay? She was very, very direct. But that was just who she was. And I said, you know what? Thank you. Thank you for letting me know. <laughs> I really appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming to our church. And then I said something like, now, you know, there's tea and coffee over there in the cafe. <laughs> so sometimes the Lord is trying to get the message across to us. And sometimes it hurts. Um, but at the end of the day, Eventually, if we if we keep our heart open and supple, uh, and it's not about looking like you know, um, what's a oh, well, Brad Pitt's getting a bit old now. Anyway, it's not looking like you know the latest <laughs> model, right? But I think more it's it's about the longevity and the level of energy, and it, it it's actually going to bless all your other assignments. I know at this you know in the morning. Um, I'm drinking so much more water now and I'm eating right and I wake up in the morning and I've got so much more clarity. I've got more energy when I'm waking up in the morning. So it's important that we have this focus. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 19, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. So be proactive regarding your physical health. Just praying for healing really isn't enough. Pursue a healthy lifestyle. Um, have an exercise plan and stick to a routine. If you miss a workout, don't you know, condemn yourself and then go and have a donut. All right? um, just say, okay, I, what, for example, I missed a routine. Uh, one of my workouts this week, and I said to my personal trainer, I said, give me a, give me, give me a clue or a cue mentally. What would, and she said, okay, well, when did you have it um, you know, set in stone? And I said, oh, it was supposed to be first thing in the morning. And then she mentioned, she said, well, okay, when were you planning on doing it? I said, oh, I kind of told myself I'll do it in the afternoon. She said, never do that. She said, because usually, you know, it gets busy and you need to get up in the morning, you need to get it done. So what I did was I you know, took away from that and now I'm going to apply that so that I stick to the routine, all right? So learn from it. Eat healthy food and avoid overeating. Um, one strategy is you can eat really, really well for six days and then on the seventh day, call it your celebration day. Yeah, your cheat day. Yeah, that's probably better, your cheat day. And uh, it works because you can stick and then you can eat whatever you want on the seventh day. Um, and so there's strategies that the Lord will give you. 
have some form of accountability, all right? So if your wife giving you a few kicks up the bottom, whatever is required, um, invite accountability into the world. It will help you. Make friends with people who are healthy and fitter than you are, okay? Um, it's important. Who you hang around is who you become. No joke. I think the fittest I've ever been in my life, let me tell you a quick story, all right? Because we've got to actually sometimes allow God to allow our own humanity to help us, right? We need sometimes God to help us, but there are things about our humanity that actually can help us and can drive us, that God can highlight us. For example, I was in this, it was called a life house at our old church. And uh, those people know of the story maybe when I first told one of my flatmates, who was a six foot two Swedish looking guy with a chiseled jaw. He looked like a full on Calvin Klein model, right? And all the girls were like, oh my goodness, in church, right? So this guy was part of my, he's a flatmate. We had three, two other, three other guys, so him and two other guys. And so anyway, um, I think I've told you the story that when I, was started, when I wanted to start pursuing Sarah, I started interested. We kind of, I was foolish, you know, don't cast your pearl before swine. This guy asked me, so who are you keen in church? And I said, Sarah Bailey. And he's like, oh, really? <laughs> next week at church, who is he sitting next to? Tuning, trying to, you know, flirt with this big <laughs> six foot two chiseled jaw blonde god of a model next to Sarah. And I'm sitting there going, no, what have I done? Idiot. So then I went into warfare mode. I did. I warfared and fasted and prayed. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. It worked. But anyway, you know that story. You know that story. I've told you that story. But there was another time where this guy, we actually had it. So this is actually after this. I've never told this story before. I don't think I've ever told you this story. <laughs> Then we had like a youth camp, youth and young adults camp coming up after the time I've told this guy that I like Sarah. So as I started to pray, I could tell that I was basically praying, God, let her discern that he might look amazing, but he's not that fantastic in other areas. (laughs) I won't go into detail. Now, maybe some of you might think that that was witchcraft, but it wasn't. It wasn't. (laughs) And so I just said, God, let let your will be done, please. And... uh, (laughs) So when the camp started to approach, this guy, because he's living with me, he's working out. And we know we're going to, it's a beach camp. So, you know, we're going to have our shirts off and I knew Sarah would be there. And I knew this six foot two, you know, Swedish God would be there. And he's working out. And I can tell, man, he's, he's looking cut, man. I'm thinking, oh, those abs, those big shoulders, those pecs. How am I going to compete with that? And this is the beach camp. It's my opportunity. So, man, can I tell you, that was such good motivation. Yeah, the spiritual stuff that happened at that camp. (laughs) Oh, dear. The Lord moved. And um, yes, it was good. But can I tell you, sometimes who you hang around, get around healthy people. Now, that probably wasn't a perfect example because I probably got a little bit ultra competitive and probably didn't have the best motives. But at the end of the day, it got me moving. All right. So sometimes it's about hanging around with people that you know have already broken through in this area and ask them, so what do you do? How have you got into this? And uh, invite, you know, sometimes we avoid those people because we think, oh, you know, they're so fit. And they're always, you know, look how trim the stomach is. And, uh. Right. Sometimes, you know, we avoid people because we are insecurities. But sometimes it's best just to break through that and start hanging out with people because it can get you going. Can I get everyone to say amen? This is a very practical word. I thank you for your forgiveness in advance. Awesome. 
Second last one, education, study, training, and development. I think the Lord is always encouraging us to sharpen our mind, whether that's, you know, you're launching into a university degree or you're studying a diploma part-time or you're doing a course through work, an accredited course in industry. For example, I just want to um, uh, just honor Pastor Sandy here today. You know, Sandy's had um, some real full-on challenges last year with her health in terms of, you know, going to an operation that went pear-shaped. And most of you know that because we prayed for her and she's still here today. Amen. Healthier and stronger for her. But she is uh, studying a master's at the moment. And so even though she's had to try and navigate around that, she's like, okay, I'm called to do this and I'm going to and I'm gonna focus on it. And even though she, she has a very, very busy life, her and Pastor Thomas in ministry and they work full-time and they're doing all different things. They've got projects that they work on. You know, they've got dreams and, you know, their plans for the future. But the Lord put on, on Pastor Sandy's heart to go to the next level in her career. And part of that was to do a master's program um, in her industry. And so can I say this to you, that sometimes it's about understanding that, you know, we've got to lift the limitations of our mind about study and education. Maybe you're still sitting here thinking, oh, I could never do a diploma or I could never do it. All of my family weren't very intellectual. We were only just sporty people. We weren't academics. Can I tell you that the Lord would want to break that off you? So maybe there's a, 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 this is a season for you to pursue developing. It doesn't have to always be a formal education but studying something, doing a course, growing an area because uh, it's about seeking wisdom. It's about growing and understanding. The Lord is into this. Um, In Proverbs 4 verses 5 to 7, get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will preserve you. Love her and she will keep you. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom and in all you're getting, Get understanding. And so, yes, we want to study the Word of God and get the Word of God into us, but also practically. You know, I think, um, where's Craig? Is Craig here? Craig Walker here today? No? Okay. Well, Craig, right, I want you to get around Craig and encourage him. He's just starting a Bachelor of Business um, in marketing this year, and he's excited about that. So it's about uh, understanding that God wants to release faith, and He wants to release, an, uh, release anointing to do with what we're going to be uh, training and what we're studying and how we're developing our skills. The last one I want to finish on is church and ministry. In Matthew 6, verse 31, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and these things shall be added to you. So seek first the kingdom of God. That's a part of uh, your purpose and my purpose and our life calling. So our relationship with God this year is important. But out of that, God wants to activate us in ministry. He wants us to pursue. We're all called to minister the things of God. We're all called to encourage and reach out to people and share our testimony or share our faith, to share about the Lord Jesus, to invite people to church, to come and find a place where you get planned in church, where you can use your gift to serve the house, to encourage others as well to do that as well. And so make church a priority. Make ministry an important part of your routine. Make worship, prayer, and reading the Word a part of your lifestyle and make following Jesus in your heart your greatest priority this year. I'm going to just share a couple of prints. I'm going to ask Pastor Jason to come. Let me say this to you. Choose to love the house of God. It's a choice. If anything I can say to you in my 16 years walking with the Lord, you have to choose to love God. You have to choose to love people and you have to choose to love the house of God. 
There will be sometimes when you don't feel like you enjoy church. There's going to be times when you don't feel like you want to go to church. There's going to be times when you feel like going, eh, church. But that's why the Lord calls us to covenant relationships. Because covenant relationship is not just led by our emotions and our feelings. Covenant relationship is about commitment. Commitment. Why do we have a covenant relationship between husband and wife? Because after the romance, sometimes it's a choice to keep the romance going. It's a discipline, right? I mean, Sarah, we, 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 we joke about this because Sarah is naturally, she's, she's Mrs. Spontaneous. She loves spontaneity. I like routine. I like discipline. I like a little bit of a, a militance to the week, right? And the irony is, is that what we've learned is that her gift of spontaneity and my focus of you know, routine and time tables actually had to combine together to keep the romance alive. So we have date nights that are on set nights. You know, there's a little bit of flexibility there, but we do that. And so what I'm saying to you is that when it comes to a relationship, you've got to understand that, yes, sometimes there is a romance. Sometimes you're going to have a romance with the house of God. Sometimes you're going to have a romance with the things of God. It's going to be fun. It's going to be enjoyable. But sometimes, as a soldier in the army of the Lord... You need to be militant. You need to be disciplined. And it's your commitment and your character that will keep you planted and sustained and in position where the Lord wants you to be, rather than just being led by how you're feeling. There's one thing I can challenge you on, church. Do not allow your feelings and your emotions to dictate your commitment to do with the house of God. One thing that I know is that God is very much establishing and has, let me say this, not he is, he has established the foundation of this house. He's ironed some things out and he's set it in place. And I know I've seen churches before that have really been fruitful. And it's come down to this. It's come down to because the people own the vision and the people are committed to each other. And then I've seen other churches where they're not so fruitful. And usually it's come down to because there's a good percentage of the people that don't really take ownership of the vision. They kind of just check in and they check out. They're not really there. It's not really their home. It's kind of just a place they go to. And also I've seen that there's a lack of commitment. That when just a little offense comes up or someone says something that they didn't like or something's done that they didn't like or, you know, whatever it is, they allow that to dominate their thinking and their relationship with their church. And so I want to encourage you that when it comes to church and ministry, that God is wanting to activate faith but also anointing to enjoy it and to be fruitful in it. And I want to finish with this. This focus of that people matter. Why are we building a church? Why are we wanting to make disciples? Why are we wanting to reach the lost? Because it's an assignment from heaven. We're called to do it. And people matter. Let me say this to you, church. People matter. People matter to God. The people that we bring into this church and we grow, people matter. 
people that we touch through what we're going to be doing with different community outreaches and missions, people matter. The people in your workplace that you're going to invite matter. Can everyone say people matter? And so I want you also to pursue your ministry assignment here in this local church with everything you've got this year. And so we've got those five keys. I'm just going to ask if the stewards could just move this for me as we prepare just for this time of ministry at the end. And also I'm going to ask for our leaders. I'm going to ask for prophets, Greg and Julie, if you guys don't mind just coming up. And also our other pastors, Pastor Dallas. I know Pastor Jace is already ministering on the guitar. Pastor Thomas and Zane, if you guys could just come to the front and just face this way. So what we're going to do is we're going to transition now into a time of activating our faith and activating the anointing. But before we do that, what was the first life key we spoke about? Shout it out for me. Work. Okay. Workplace. So we're going to pray and release. We're going to do it in one go, but we're believing for the faith and the anointing for your work and the provision in your life to be released. So receive it by faith this morning. What was the second key, the life key? Family and relationships. So again, as you receive this morning, I want you to believe for the faith and believe for the anointing for family relationships. The third one was health in your mind and your body. Believe that God actually wants to release faith for you to pursue those things and an anointing, an enabling power of God to help you to do those things. The fourth one, what was the fourth one? Education, training, uh, study, development. For those, even if you're not studying something, maybe even just reading you know, books to help you to grow, reading the Bible, there's anointing upon that. And the fifth one, what was the fifth one? Church and ministry, that's right. So everyone here, even if you're not serving right now, we're all called to actually help to build the church. We're all called to minister. We're all called to use our spiritual gifts, our practical gifts to build the things of God. I'm going to ask you to stand in this place.